You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. and welcome to the 42 cast your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything this week we are looking at one of the fall shows that had a half season but before we get into that let's go over to our cast for this week and so first up hailing from the satellite of love is my friend and yours mike nelson how are you doing mike Satellite of love. I like it. Hello, <laughs> ladies and some guys. <laughs> How are uh, Crow, uh, Servo, and the other bots? They are good. Getting a nice little tune-up and a spit shine. <laughs> so I forget. You've Have you watched the new uh, Netflix MST3K, Mike? I got halfway through. I do plan on finishing it, but God forbid, I am just not feeling Jonah Ray love. Yeah, see, you're you and I are kind of seeing eye to eye on this. I uh, I didn't think Jonah was really did it for me, and I've got a lot of episodes of the original that I haven't seen, so I I I'm still watching those. Uh, I still did watch the Netflix series, and it was funny. It had it had its moments. Yeah, it did have its moments. Yeah, but I think I prefer Mike, my buddy Mike here. <laughs> <laughs> Not that guy, but I'm taking the name. <laughs> I get way too much mileage out of the fact that your name is Mike Nelson. <laughs> Someone has to. <laughs> but, uh, so how have you been since, uh, you know, I, don't, I can't remember when the last time you were on, Mike, so how have you been uh, doing? Gotham? <laughs> it's probably Gotham, so yeah, probably sometime in the summer. Yeah, I've been good. Just kept on with my streaming on Twitch, possibly looking to get a position in North Carolina uh, at a gaming company. Um, mm. crossing my fingers on that. They're ask, they ask, they email me asking me if I'm willing to locate, and I had to be professional, but in my mind, I'm like, hell yes! Send me now! <laughs> uh, well, I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully I hear something back in December. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I, I didn't think I wanted to work at a gaming company, but doing streaming games and doing YouTube for the past six to seven years, it's I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to promote a video game that I've been doing for ages. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Only makes sense. I mean, I, I, everybody, in it, a bunch of people in the industry keep sending me job links, and I'm like, I have no qualifications whatsoever except for playing video games. <laughs> yeah, let's roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that would be awesome, though, because I mean, you know, that's one of those coveted kinds of jobs. Uh, you know, I, it's funny, I, I talked recently as part of my work with the video game archive that I'm trying to do with Don Emery, who was one of the, or who was the first video game tester, worked for Magnavox when they were making the original Odyssey back in the seventies. Uh, and he said, even though it only lasted for a year before they, uh, downsized and let him go, he was like, this is the best job of his life. Cause he just got to play games all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. Well, that's awesome, Mike. I hope it works out for you. Thank you. 
All right, that other voice that you heard is the Gentleman Among Nerds by Crom. If you talk to him, it'll be on like Donkey Kong. And that is my buddy, Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, man, I'm a day late and a dollar short. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing good. So just for people who don't know what he's talking about, Mark was a little late to our podcast today. That's right. I was, uh, you know, one of the other wouldn't it be cool jobs is to say, you know, I own a movie theater. <laughs> and so to, uh, today we were, we're decorating the movie theater in, in a holiday theme. And I have a large tree in the middle of the lobby that is literally festooned with Star Wars ornaments and uh it's kind of a deal now so that as as fans of the movie theater come in that they a lot of times will will gift me a star wars ornament or donate something for the tree so it's it's starting to take on that really motley look that sort of like really homemade look which is really to me the best kind of christmas tree in the world because those are the ones that are made with love you know but you know i've told people and they're like well i don't want to go buy an ornament i'm like don't Take one of your old stormtrooper action figures, drill a hole on top of his head, and just put a little wire in there, and bam, that's your ornament. You know, let's 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 do this. Let's let's increase the value of Kenner's backstock by 0.5 cents by destroying your stormtrooper figure. <laughs> what do you got to lose? You know, you got three more of them. Don't act like you don't. <laughs> You know what's sad is that I still have all my old Star Wars action figures. Well, of course you do. Who doesn't? Come on. My kids play with them. <laughs> you know, when people come in, they come in and they look at this. I've got a big display case that's full of all this fun stuff as well. And I, I always try to put the toys in the case that are representative of the movies that are out or that are about to be out. Because I kind of like the kids to get the idea that this stuff didn't just happen in a vacuum. And, you know, you, there's a Godzilla toy that's in there that you've never seen before because it's older than you, son. <laughs> so that's how, the, you know, and so I do that anyways. But uh, and so I, every once in a while, I have to listen to a dad who goes, yeah, I had all them comic books. Action Comics number one, Detective Comics number 27. And my mom threw them out and I just nod and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, but then they turn to me and go, but I got all my Star Wars toys. And I'm like, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do, man. <laughs> they probably look like crap and they're buried in the backyard right next to your, your, uh, your family dog. But I'm sure you got them. <laughs> yeah. Some of mine are missing arms. You know, they've, they've got some of the, uh, the detailing sort of worn away over time, but, uh, yeah, I've got, well, I don't know, well, like a dozen the, or the so. Blaster, the Rebels blaster fire was uncannily accurate, right. Nathan, and I think we should just leave it at that. <laughs> right. Oh, man, but that's awesome, and, uh, you know, when I think about you living in a movie theater, uh, I, I think of Luke Cage now, because I've been reading those old comics. <laughs> oh, cool! Well, all right, well, sweet Christmas! I will take that! <laughs> <sighs> well, it's good. To, it's good to have you back, Mark. Thanks, brother. All right. Just joining us this week is uh, someone new to the podcast. He is watching all of Doctor Who from beginning to end with the Watchathon of Rassilon podcast, and that is Joe Heath. How are you doing, Joe? Welcome, I'm doing Joe. Good. Hi. Thank you. So, Joe, since this is your first time on the podcast, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm a Pisces. Um, <laughs> I think that says everything. Uh, no, <laughs> it really does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, I do the Doctor Who podcast with my wife, Tony. We we wanted to do something together, and it's easy to watch Doctor Who. So we've been doing that for about two, three years, something like that. And we're in the third Doctor right now. Also, I make 
short films and sketches and stuff like that. And I just finished up a web series that I started when I worked at a movie theater. Ah. I, uh, I worked at a movie theater and figured, hey, I get to watch free movies. So I did a movie review series called The Projectionist Project because I was the projectionist at the time. So. Nice. Outstanding. Outstanding. I write the, uh, I write the weekly um, reviews in the paper because nice. people want to know. And mine's called uh, Behind the Marquee. Uh- <laughs> Because that's where I live, behind the marquee. But I, I, uh, I've great affectionate for anybody who was a, a projectionist at a movie theater, especially if it was a movie theater where you had to cut and splice. I did oh, not. I never millimeter. got it. It made me so sad. I always wanted to. It was all <laughs> digital by the time I got you, there. You, you just missed it, huh? Oh, oh yeah. poor we guy. Had the, we had the equipment for it, but yeah, we never got yeah. one. So. That's too bad, brother. Though Coca-Cola kept sending us the ads like on film. <laughs> And like we just had it piled up and never used any of it. <laughs> I stole a lot of it and used sure. it uh, as a uh, centerpieces for our wedding. So outstanding, <laughs> outstanding. Awesome. Have a coke and a smile, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome you got three projectionists on this on this podcast, Nathan. Good job. Well, yeah, well that was well I, it. Was all according to plan, Mark. Mike. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. What well, one day there'll be four projectionists and then five and then they cannot <laughs> stop us after that. <laughs> yeah, uh, sadly I've never worked in a movie theater. <sighs> you what? missed out. As media savvy as nerd heavy as you are, you, you have not bugged somebody at, at a movie theater until they gave you a job. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I had a very weird job history where I sort of lucked out into working in sort of tech companies from the time I was 17. So I was above minimum wage, Got you it. know, so yeah, yeah I just yeah. stuck with that. No, 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 that's fair. That's fair. I mean, if you, uh, if you, if you manage to get it somewhere near a ground floor of one of those type of things, there was no reason to ever go hang out at a comic shop and go, you know, I could work the front counter while you run the Sonic, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is how most people get that job. Except funny enough. So I used to get my comics from a guy at the flea market who would come every week on Saturday and sell comics. And he used to do that with me. I could run his store while he ran and got stuff to eat. I would hang out with him a lot. So yeah. So I did, I guess, kind of unofficially work in the comic store. Let's call it unofficially. And I'm going to give you bonus points because he was either one of two. You know, at third level, you get to split and and, and declare your uh, proficiency class. (laughs) He was either... A weekend warrior, which is a guy who had comics and sold them and, you know, was someone you could talk to and blow and, and was, you know, maybe knew some stuff. Or he was what we would call in the industry a bottom feeder who would only sell what was hot in a chromium cover for $20. And uh, he didn't really care about it so much because, you know, if next week pogs are hot, you're going to see a a table full of pogs at at his uh, stand. So was he a weekend warrior or was he a bottom feeder? He was a weekend warrior. He actually had a a job. He was an auditor for the IRS as his day job. Okay. And uh, he just loved comics so much lifelong. He was like in his late 50s early 60s he just loved comics so much that he just wanted to like interact with other comic readers and so he started the side business so yeah it was all right it was fun hanging out with him but anyway (laughs) now that i digressed into something that nobody cares about (laughs) <laughs> that's that's not true. I think I maintain it's these little side trips that make all the podcasts worth watching. Mm. Watching uh, with your ear, you watch with your ear <laughs> the same way you hear with your eyes. 
So, uh, Percy Cameron, if you are hearing this podcast, I do miss talking with you and hanging out at the uh, <laughs> at the flea market there in South Carolina. <laughs> and and way, way to be a weekend warrior, Percy. Yeah, he used to he used to call himself Commander Cam because <laughs> cool. last name was Cameron. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, with uh, introductions out of the way, let's move on to our next segment, which is not going to be five questions. I've decided to shake things up a little bit, and a friend of mine suggested another idea. So we are going to do what uh, I'm calling five-minute controversies. Oh. <laughs> so this, instead of five questions where we ask five things, yes, no answer, whatever, we're going to have one subject that we can all talk about that, you know, can run the spectrum, and we're going to try to cap it at five minutes. So, today's subject (laughs) is the Disney acquisition of Fox's TV and movie divisions. Now, I want to be clear on this, because a lot of people are reporting, the headlines are saying, Disney acquiring Fox. This will have nothing to do with Fox News, or, or any of that side of Fox. This is just their TV and movie divisions. 20th Century Fox, basically. Yes, 20th Century Fox, exactly. Okay. So, do we think that is a good idea or a bad idea, and why? So, let's kick it to you first, Mike. Good idea. I want the X-Men casted properly. Okay. (laughs) Short, simple, very nice. (laughs) All right, Joe, do you have a horse in this race? I think it's good and bad. Good for the same reason, and bad because, you know, Disney controlling the entire world might not be the best thing i don't know maybe they shouldn't have so much power just all in one hand (laughs) exactly but no i'm all for like good fantastic four and you know x-men being crossed over yeah mark what do you think i think it is the worst idea to happen (laughs) in the history of bad ideas uh we're gonna get into this a little bit on the podcast but i think absolutely the last thing that anybody wants to see is all of the intellectual property in the hands of a single company. And I can't believe more people aren't talking about this. I get that the Star Wars movies that they put out have not been a complete disaster. And I get that the Marvel movies that they put out have, you know, more or less stayed the course. And I understand even Mike, where you might be going, finally, we're getting an X-Men movie that, that would, that would look a certain way. But let me offer up a counter-argument here, okay? What happens when sales drop on the X-Men, Mike? Do you, do you, do you know what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to go into the vault. They're going to figure out which X-Men would most fit their existing Disney characters. And they're going to do mickey meets the x-men <laughs> and they're gonna put that and, and that's gonna be a major feature yeah no, come on mark I, I, we, I, we I can all see that. beauty in the beast right now in our mind's eye right with the beast from x-men in it right yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah oh yeah and goofy's gonna be nightcrawler <laughs> and what will happen is to draw these now i want this <laughs> it's gonna wait draw, yeah what this is I, supposed I, to be I, a bad thing this, this, amazing. This, this is a terrifying thing <laughs> Because, I mean, Donald Duck is already a superhero. That's that's already a thing. So, Donald Duck is Wolverine, right? He's the PK Avenger. All of this. Here's why why this is bad. Uh, This sort of thing. uh, Disney has a brand that they've been working with. And they have a brand that they have spent 50 years 
uh, honing and shaping with the help of focus groups and lawyers and accountants and people who study this stuff on a macro level and not just study trends and people who, who are who, who design algorithms for this but also the people who study this stuff from a financial level okay and if they don't like something or if something sort of changes hands and it doesn't quite work out it gets john cartered okay <laughs> i don't think you realize what sort of evil you're dealing with here i do not think you understand just how big and how draconian and how benignly malignant this company is okay they're your friends right up until the point that you stop giving them your money and then you become a target to be reacquired and if you if you give the fox whatever's in their stable i know i know people just want the x-men to go back i get that they've also got planet of the apes alien predator but there's a lot of these other things that are affected by this and i and i i pray i pray because right now from fox's point of view they're hemorrhaging money but the easiest thing for them to do is to stop hiring predators and start telling <laughs> and, and you know what i mean like there's a way to shore up fox without letting go of their actual money making properties and right now they've got all of their x-man stuff in turnaround because it's doing so well i don't know why they would give that up so i'm sorry if that came off a little strident <laughs> <laughs> from but you I, mark never I, I i deal i deal with these people you don't know who you're giving this power to they've already got too much of it i i oh oh it just keeps me up at night all right i'm gonna put my two cents in on this one so, like Mike and Joe, there is a part of me would very much like to have the 20th Century Fox fanfare at the beginning of Star Wars again, and I would love to have Fantastic Four and X-Men back in Marvel's full IP, because I'd love to get a decent Fantastic Four movie, especially. But that's the thing. I've never really felt like X-Men really needed to be back in Marvel's wheelhouse because Fox is doing at least an adequate job now with doing X-Men movies. Fantastic Four is a different matter. I was hoping that <laughs> just the rights were going to lapse on Fantastic Four and go back to Marvel just anyway. And Ghost Rider. No, Ghost Rider's already back at Marvel. Oh, good, 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 good. And that's Ghost Rider is part of the Sony deal anyway, not Fox. But anyway. Oh, that, that's right. But yeah, so I've wanted to, because I mean, it's not just the Fantastic Four, it's all the cosmic stuff that was part of the Fantastic Four license also. Like, I'd love Silver Surfer and Galactus to be back in Marvel's wheelhouse also. But anyway, but that's, that's the side matter. Here's the thing. When Disney's thinking about acquiring Fox, it's not about that Marvel IP. I know that's what we're thinking of because we're the geeks, right? <laughs> we're like, they want that Marvel IP back. No, that's not it. They're looking at their streaming service that they're creating and they're looking at the fact of, we got tons and tons of movies, but do you know what we're kind of weak on? TV shows. What does Fox own a lot of? TV right. shows. We got Simpsons and Futurama, just to name two. You know, the Matt, uh, was Matt Groening? You know, his uh, his empire that could give them, like, you know, thousands of hours of entertainment just right there. And instant credibility for that streaming service that, again, nobody asked for and nobody wants. Right. And what that's going to do is that's going to gut Netflix more than Netflix is already gutted. Because then Disney will pull all of that material from Netflix to be exclusive on their own streaming service. 
So we're going into a streaming service war that I'm afraid is going to kill just about everyone. Because when you've got 5 million different streaming services all competing with each other, no one's wallet's going to be able to afford that. You know, we already see it with CBS All Access and the Star Trek stuff. You know, DC starting their own streaming service with exclusive content. There's a Stargate streaming service with its own exclusive content. You got Disney pulling one way, Hulu pulling another, Netflix pulling another. Who has the money for it all? Right? So, I would rather give Netflix, because Netflix is, uh, Netflix banked on the fact that, you know, people were always going to be Netflix users, and so they're $2 billion in debt, you know? And so, they've they've sort of, if if people start jumping ship from Netflix and they don't get the revenue, Netflix is going to tank. So, if you like any Netflix series, that's something to worry about right there. But anyway, so so I'm just saying, there's another wrinkle to this that I don't think a lot of people have thought about. It's a good wrinkle, and I and I would actually I would pay double for Netflix right now, provided Netflix kept what it, on doing what it was doing. I'm getting I'm getting more mileage out of Netflix than I ever got out of my cable company. And that's that said, I have an upper amount that I'm willing to spend on television, and when that amount is reached, then anything else that I buy becomes a special occasion or a once in a while kind of a thing, which which is exactly what Amazon has set itself up to be. You don't have to buy everything all the time. You just buy something when you want to buy it. And I'm already, and I'm already in on that, so nanny nanny boo boo. But you're, you've, hit the, you've hit the nail on the head with the streaming service. The streaming service is, is the other side project in here. And it's it's the thing that needs to go away. And, you know, honestly, it would be a lot cheaper for Disney to just reacquire the Marvel characters and the franchises that we that we love, frankly. Yeah. But, and, and, and it's so weird because this ties directly to what we're going to be talking about with the Inhumans. <laughs> right. I thought this one worked pretty well with this yeah, uh, yeah. particular uh, episode. Now, I, and I'm not saying, uh, and, and 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 well, I'll go ahead. Make, I'll, I'll go ahead and make my argument for this. D- do you need another X-Men movie where you don't know where it fits in in the continuity? <laughs> because that because they because that's what that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, that's the next X-Men movie coming out. It's going to be I another think X-Men they might movie. Do a uh, if if Marvel ever gets X-Men back, I think maybe they should do like a alternate universe, like they they found because they they're doing weirder stuff with the movies anyway. So they just tap into that universe that already exists, but then you can have them just come over. I'd argue, and I stand by this, I've said from the beginning, if Marvel ever reacquires the X-Men, it will be a big enough event for them to reboot the movies from ground zero. (laughs) That's true. I have a third solution. What's the difference between the Terrigen Mists changing characters on a DNA level and at some point in time a nuclear bomb going off and it changed the rate positively radiated somebody in a way that their kids now have lasers shooting out of their eyes in story terms there's no difference it is absolutely no difference and right now in agents of shield the way they're treating the inhumans is the exact vibe that they're treating that that they've always done when they're treating the mutants in the comic book and that's on purpose and i think if you wanted to bring any of i think if they got those characters back and wanted to bring them back what you do is you squat down on the word mutant because 
you've already got it as a trademark, but you turn all of the mutants that you want to turn into franchise characters into Inhumans. You make them Inhumans. That's what the comics did, and it was bad. Right, yeah, I mean, the comics, I mean, because they don't have that IP for the movies, they've tried to replace the X-Men with the Inhumans, and yeah, I would <laughs> I would rather they reboot it, actually, than do that. It would totally be bad from a comic book point of view because you're fighting 35 years of Inhumans continuity and trying to shoehorn it in with 37 years of X-Men continuity and which one is which and how many of these stay and who goes but in the in the marvel cinematic universe where so far the only inhumans that we have seen have been on marvel's agents of shield it starts looking real easy well that's what they did in the comic books uh one of the runs last year when they when they started pushing the inhumans further zake made this big declaration some of the mutants are actually inhumans and one of the mutants was magneto was said he wasn't inhuman. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, I'm like, <laughs> I threw the book out of the way. I'm like, I'm done with you. You're out of my life. I think I remember your post on Facebook when you did that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Like, I get it. I get it. You want to make this whole property, but no, this is not how you do it, Marvel. You're just, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, th- and, this is, and this is what happens when you have these larger companies intruding onto the onto creative decisions they have to do something like this because they don't own the rights anymore the rights have been have been traded away and and may come back and may not come back we don't know the details of the contract but if the deadpool movie is a success there's probably a clause in there that kicks in and says if it may, if the second movie makes this much money we we get the option on the third one there's probably a clause in the x-men movie that's coming out next year that doesn't have a title that says if we you know make so much money we get uh, we get to at least pitch for the next one you know these things that's how these things are are set up and and it's it's all boardroom discussion horrible just you know it, there's there's accountants in the room with spreadsheets going well the last three x movies grossed a total of a hundred and something nobody cares you know and, th- and then because then what happens is that gets into what characters can be in the movies and what characters can't be in the movies you know all of this runs a, a counter to how marvel has done things since its existence which is wouldn't it be cool if thor was in a x uh, was in an issue of, of the fantastic four yeah yeah that'd be great Let's bring a character in from from Asgard that's coming in through the negative zone, and they got to call Thor to help them close it. And they go, what a cool idea for a comic book. How many issues do you need to tell that? Oh, we can tell that in one issue. (laughs) You know, and so so now, you know, that's, that's the problem that we're running into. And as fans... I think a lot of our fan anger is 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 absolutely misplaced, and I think that it's largely born out of a complete and total ignorance. Some of it willful in how all of these de- how how these decisions get made at this level. And if and if and so, anyways, well, I know we're over five minutes, Nathan. Call us. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> Stop the clock. Or just, I just want to put in one. I'm just going to say one more thing, though, just to just to sort of counter myself and Mark slightly. The one one good thing I think would come of Marvel reacquiring the X-Men rights is that the projects that nobody wants, like the Channing Tatum Gambit movie and the Franco uh, Multiple Man movie that they're talking about now, those will get nixed right away. That's so that cool. would be a good thing. That's not, that's not cool, Nathan. <laughs> what do you mean that's not cool? Why are you going to do, do my boy Channing? 
Chang did nothing to you. I, I think a standalone game. Basically, Fox is trying to parse out every X-Men character and give them a solo movie, and they don't need it. And so I'm just saying all those projects can sort of go away of all these sort of side things of, of movies that are going to be cheaply made and not, you know, particularly good to watch. Um, and, that, and that I'm okay with. To be fair, they've pushed they've pushed that back once once before already. So the odds are really good that that we're not going to see that next year. The only things that for sure, let me just tell you guys, since I know the only thing that for sure is on the on the schedule next year from Fox vis-a-vis the X Men universe is the New Mutants, right? And we've seen that wonderful trailer based on one of the best stories in the New Mutants comics. So that's going to be great. We've seen Deadpool two, which is probably going to be good, but could very likely not be good. And we and there is an untitled X-Men movie that uh, may or may not be showing up. Uh, I thought they had titled it as Dark Phoenix. Oh, okay. So, it, well, it, it, it's, it says currently Dark Phoenix. On my sheet, it still says it's Untitled X-Men movie. Okay. But if, if, they, if they've got it as Dark Phoenix, awesome. That's great. It, certainly, it would be better than X-Men 3. And I'm saying that sight uh, unseen. <laughs> because it is not a high bar, in fact. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe if that's, if that's, that would be a really cool way to end the X-Men storyline because then all the stuff that they're doing with Gifted and uh, Legion would make would make perfect sense especially if they set it in the 80s yeah oh okay all so right. I'm gonna call it now <laughs> it was more like a 15 minute controversy but <laughs> who won it still who was won? quicker than five questions uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I think the viewers won nice <laughs> That's right. All you viewers out there are going to get a free decoder ring in the mail to find out what the hell we've been talking about. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about our topic that we're about to get into, but uh, before we dive into it fully, let's pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. Hey there, folks. My name is JC Delatore. And I'm Rita Delatore. And we are Transmissions from Atlantis, an original member of the ESO network. And we are excited to tell you all about our podcast. Well, it's everything science fiction, fantasy, horror. And every single episode will have a segment of Doctor Who. Let's give everybody a taste. I have my two minutes. Yes. Okay, then. So no interrupting. Go ahead. Fine. You're using up your two minutes. Shut up. You're, you're interrupting me. Stop <laughs> it. You're now up to 50 seconds. <laughs> this was worse than kill the moon. It was not worse than I kill the moon. I would take the moon as an egg <laughs> before I would take a bunch of trees, sprout up overnight, save the earth, and then magically... And oh. where did the trees go? Where did the trees go? Yes. Transmissions from Atlantis. Class. Classy sci-fi pop culture discussions. Check us out, transmissionsfromatlantis.com. And we're back. And so this week we're talking about Marvel's The Inhumans. I was going to say it was a mini-series uh, that ran through the fall, but uh, then I started thinking about the sort of treacherous, uh, not treacherous, but the sort of winding way that we sort of got this series that was originally going to be a movie. So I kind of chuckled a little bit there. <laughs> so 
Mike, why don't you tell us just uh, for anyone who might be listening to this podcast who hasn't seen The Inhumans, uh, what The Inhumans are. The Inhumans are a failed science experiment from the Kree. Those nice blue aliens that we saw in Agents of the Shield. Technically, I think we only really saw one. but well, not And Guardians the of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, and, and Guardians too. whatever. <laughs> We're on TV shows. But yes, uh, the Inhumans are basically failed superhuman experiment from the Kree that the purpose of the Inhumans was to basically make this army to fight the Kree's number one enemy, the, uh, the Skrulls. But the, like I said, it's an ex- it was a failed experiment. I'm really not even sure why it was failed, but the Kree basically had them. They ki- they thought they killed everyone, and then they left, but sure enough, there was actually some on Earth, and m- most of them, the important ones, left to live on the moon. Yeah, I think the implication was that they were too powerful and too uncontrollable, and I think that was the issue with that the would explain That would definitely, because I, I do remember that Hive in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was one of the Inhumans who turned on the Kree, and because of his ability, was super dangerous to them. Yeah. Yeah, there was, a, well, originally there was a, the, the, there was, a, there was originally a Kree prophecy that said that one of the Inhumans would destroy the, the Kree race. Uh, and so, and so that was why they, they, they left them to their own devices. Now, I am sure that that has been tweaked a hundred times since then uh in in retro continuity but but that was originally the idea was you're right they were they were powerful and uncontrollable and one of them was going to kill us all one day Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean and and mark to your point you're always calling agents of shield the silmarillion of the mcu so with this as an offshoot of agents of shield was this become like one of the book of lost tales Uh, i i i want to almost uh refer to it as the uh as as let's let's almost call it one of his unfinished works if we're if using it as a as a thing because this thing was scrambled eggs yeah. they didn't know what they wanted to do with it and unfortunately well they gave it to the guy who uh who really tarted up iron fist for us well, you mean the immortal iron fist protector of kun lun sworn enemy of the hand <laughs> <laughs> As he told us every fifteen seconds. So, <laughs> if there, if there, the, the the silver lining in uh, in this Cimmerillion uh, analogy <laughs> is that this guy is not going to be back uh, again. We shan't see him again for uh, anything else. They're not going to use him. There's just no. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that a project that Scott Buck could could possibly uh, ha- ha- be involved in. Th- that that they would ever want to utilize ever again because what you had was the way i see it you had a tv show that for basically for one and a half seasons has been building the framework for what this what would eventually be let's not call him a signature character in the marvel universe because you know let's let's be, have no illusions about it they're 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 third tier uh, and always have been uh well the coolest thing about them was that they appeared in the fantastic four and were so popular within that comic book that that they they kind of got extra their lives got intertwined when crystal and johnny were dating for a while and at one point some of the inhumans whenever whenever the fantastic four periodically goes missing 
I swear they get on more milk cartons than <laughs> any other superhero. Yes. So the Inhumans stepped in to, to help out with that. And so they've always there's always been a close relationship between these characters who live on the dark side of the moon in their own kingdom full of strife and discord and disharmony and and the FF. But, you know, without the FF, it seemed always sort of like, how do you get the Inhumans in there? Well, you just introduced the Inhumans to the Kree, which is what they did. So they had this the, a year and a half worth of TV show that's laid out this wonderful groundwork. And also by now, we are we have been trained for the past nine years, since 2008, not to expect things to look and be exactly like in the comics. Uh, they've, they've pretty much told us that was going to be the case. What they've told us is, is the characters we show you, you're going to recognize. You're going to know them. They're going to be those characters. But they may not get there the same way, right? And I think that's a fair... I think we can say that about most of the Marvel properties that have come out to date. Yes. This was the first failure, in my opinion. A total failure from start to finish. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about... Because you brought up some interesting points, Mark. And one of the things... You, you, well, you actually brought two things, kind of, that I want to talk about. But I'll, I'll focus on one first. Is the, the Inhumans... Were, when they were created in the 60s, were never meant to be the stars. They were a unique, odd civilization for the Fantastic Four to stumble upon, because that's what the Fantastic Four did throughout most of their run, is they were explorers with superpowers. So, you know, whether it's Atlantis, or whether it's Adelan, and, and back in the very beginning, Adelan was in the Himalayas, because in the 60s, that was like going to the moon, because we didn't have, <laughs> you know... <laughs> We didn't have the tech that we have now, so it was kind of exotic enough to just say that there's this hidden city in the Himalayas. Adelaide later got relocated to the moon, that's a whole other story. But, you know, and so that was the thing. You, you had the Fantastic Four as your introduction to these characters, and it was through the interaction with the Fantastic Four that you started caring about them, and they started becoming more prominent. How in the world that they dropped the obvious way of using that same mentality, I don't know. Because while you're right, Mark, that they set up the idea of the Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they did not introduce these characters in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think was really important, because one of my biggest problems with this series was that I did not care about a single one of these people. Nope, not at all. <laughs> and if we had introduced them through Coulson and Daisy and everybody else and through their interactions, that might have been a really good way of sort of hooking us in and then spinning them off into their own show after that. But I, but I, I, I don't know how that ball was dropped. Other than that, I think, it, I think it speaks to the second thing that I want to talk about. But for now, I just want to sort of discuss that. So, I mean, Joe, did you feel like you had any emotional connection to these characters? Honestly, no. The weird thing for me watching, because I knew nothing about the Inhumans. I knew there was a giant dog. <laughs> Best thing about the show, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Lock Jaw is the only thing I like. <laughs> but I was just, I so I, I knew virtually nothing going in. But I was like, I don't like any of these characters, the only character who seems to be making sense is Maximus. Like Maximus, <laughs> I he's like, these guys are, are jerk and uh, they're treating you like crap and we're gonna I'm gonna take over. And I'm like, you're not wrong. I <laughs> <laughs> Right. And that was part of wow. the mixed message of the show was that the way they depicted the royal family was kind of like, man, this is kind of rotten and so Maximus is right in what he's saying. 
just the way he went about it and sort of the personal ego ambition that he had was wrong. But it was like there was no real clear, you know, person to root for even with this. And I don't even feel like they full on show Maximus as being bad like until like later in the series i mean he kills someone in the first episode but like it takes him a while for you to be like yeah he might have the right idea but he's going about it entirely wrong and for personal stupid reasons and stuff he's whatever but like it takes too long to establish that i feel like whereas they do establish that i don't like any of the inhumans right off the bat Zero, zero sympathy. They, they, they don't even seem to like each other very much. Mm. Yeah, there's. I'm, I'm willing to allow for the fact that he was handed this bag of Tinker Toys and told to make a skyscraper. Because, <laughs> I, I, and, and, and that's because you know there was supposed to be a movie, but then they decided that they were going to do it as a miniseries, and then they, then, then it was a partial movie and a partial miniseries. And if you watch the first two episodes, you're like, there's no way that that was going to be a movie. I, I, IMAX wouldn't have helped it. 3D wouldn't. Hell, Feelavision wouldn't have helped it. Nothing would have helped it. That's not a movie. That's two. That's the. That's literally the first two episodes of a lar- of a of a story, and it's obviously so. Yeah. So there's a possibility that he that he was given a bag of <laughs> and told to make Shinola. I mean, I, I, I'll allow that. Yeah, I mean, because so here's the thing. Here's the other thing that I that I wanted to talk about. We sort of touched on already is the sort of winding way that this came to us. So in 2014, Marvel announced its plans for Phase Three, and right before Avengers 4 was going to be an Infinity War movie. Now, this is before the Ant-Man 2 or Spider-Man Homecoming were part of Phase 3. Originally, right. those two movies were not there, and so the schedule was very different, other than that Infinity War was still there. Yes. So, once Ant-Man and the Wasp got announced, they rejiggled the order, and then they said, oh, Inhumans is actually going to come after Avengers 4, but it's still there. It's going to be July 2019. Everything will be fine. Then Spider-Man Homecoming was announced, and then they rejiggled everything again, and suddenly Inhumans isn't even on the schedule anymore. Right. You know, and then it's like, okay, well, and then they kept saying, well, it's not the movie isn't going to get made, uh, something's going to be done, yada yada, there's a lot of sort of prevarication about the whole thing. Well, I think this speaks to what we've also since learned about the behind the scenes and how Kevin Feige has sort of chafed under Marvel when Marvel Studios used to report through the Marvel structure and how he basically asked Disney to remove Marvel Studios from Marvel and have him report directly in through Disney's chain, which is what happened. And so originally, it was the Marvel, which still runs the, which still runs the TV side, that was really pushing hard for an Inhumans movie because they saw Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a series that would basically advertise for this movie that would eventually happen. And yes. once the movies were taken away from their direct control, suddenly it became, well, crap, Kevin Feige doesn't want to do an Inhumans movie. You know, he doesn't like that. So then, so, but they had promised the fans that they were going to get Inhumans. So it became like this political hot potato. And I think that what happened is they took the script that they had, and I think they spread it out into an eight-episode miniseries. Because, really, when you watch this show, it feels like it's, like, maybe two and a half hours of plot. You know, strung out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> eight episodes. Uh, uh, across Just Hawaiian. I kept, like I kept watching the thing. I kept, I kept watching it and going, any second now they're going to find a hatch. And a and a and a guy who couldn't walk, but now he can. I was I, I just I was I was lost all the way through it. See what I did there? Yes. Yeah. See what I did there? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Mm. All right. 
Yeah, so, I mean, not a lot happens in these eight episodes, and it feels like it's very slowly paced, especially for a movie made, you know, in the 20-teens, you know, right? I mean, I mean, one of the things I said to my wife was, if this had been made in the 90s, we would have all loved it. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's, you know what, what, yes, Nathan, you're exactly right. If this, if this had been an early 90s thing, it would have been awesome. And that's the problem is it is is literally note for note, beat for beat, uh, measure for measure. This thing feels like it's not only just out of sync, but 20, 25 years out of date. Yeah, but if this had been like, say, 1997 until, instead of 2017, we would have been like, this is the best show since Mantis. I... The- <laughs> Well, here's where the, here's where they here's where they made mantis right <laughs> come on guys i needed a reaction there <laughs> where they where they made head. where they made their mistake what they should have done all along is they should have said we're taking in humans off of the movie schedule and we're handing it back over to marvel who's doing some amazing things with television right now. And we're not sure if this is going to be a Netflix series or if this is going to be something that's going to end up on ABC as an outgrowth of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But we're going to put this back. We're going to put this back where we know that it can get the attention it deserves. Because... All they already because the the problem was Agents of Shield was already setting all of this up, and they were setting it up. It, you know, you watch the season where they're where they're basically finding new pieces of the Inhuman storyline, and you're like, oh, okay, any second now we're gonna get a dog that shows up uh, out of nowhere. Any second now I'm gonna see a, a, a couple of ropes of red hair uh, grab Mac and pull him behind the doorway. Any second now daisy's gonna turn the corner see a guy and say who are you and he's gonna open his mouth and knock her backwards i you know you just keep expecting it fitz ends up on the or not fitz yeah fitz uh, simmons ends up on the moon or not on the moon but on a planet that you know through the 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 dark matter you know and and i kept thinking any second now she's gonna cross crest a hill and there's gonna be adeline you know None of that happened, but, but but it would have all been the easiest thing to have happened would have would have been to have had Colson and the, the team figure, you know, with all this stuff kind of coming into place and figuring it all out, realizing that shield back in the 80s, back when you could have we could have had another Haley Carter or, or Haley Atwell walk on as as Peggy Carter, would that have been cool? No. We could have had a cool flashback sequence where they this this is not the first time they've dealt with the Kree. This is not the first time they've dealt with the Inhumans. And so what they did was, rather than start a war, start a fight, we have our hands full with the mutants. Here's my compromise. We have got a we've got a base set up for you where you can live your lives, you can go your own way. We'll never uh, know anything about it. Uh, we'll leave you alone. You leave us alone. How does that sound? And they go, great. Awesome. So here's the doorway. Welcome to the far side of the moon where, where no one will ever find you. And they and, and we see that S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of the other governments that were in on it sent them there. And in their absence, this monarchy, this king, this whole thing has developed. This massive, you know, as we know it, inhuman structure has developed. And so S.H.I.E.L.D. looking for answers, because nobody's around and they're on their own again, you know, run into them by accident. And when the Terrigen Mist starts making new inhumans, the person that finds out about this is Maximus. Because Maximus is looking around going, you know what? I'm not getting my due. 
But all of a sudden, there's a bunch of stuff left over on Earth that I could be using to bring an army in that doesn't have any con- connection with my family or what's going on here. I'm I. This is how you do an Inhumans introduction, yeah. folks. <laughs> I don't think that it had to be necessarily exactly that way, but yeah, I oh, mean, no, no, something no, it through did, Shield, it did. though. It did. It right. Did. It, 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 Especially it now that they're going to be in space. Better. I was like, they're going to be in space, so this would be the time to, like, discover Adelan and stuff like that, you know? I mean, oh, I can... oh geez. Marvel, Marvel, Disney, I am available for consultations. <laughs> so you can find me online. Uh, my email's there. So, Joe, did, did we cut you, cut you off from saying something? I just said it made more sense than Ghost Rider. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost Rider, they just wanted to introduce Ghost Rider. That's all. It didn't need to make sense. My point point is, is if I can look at this stuff and and I can kind of see, here's an obvious direction that you could go in where you could, you know, uh, instead of bringing them to Earth, bring Earth to them, and have you know, and have Crystal turn around as as the agents of Shield walk through the door, and have and have Medusa say, "Who the hell are you?" You know, I mean, you, this could be a fantastic. There, there's a hundred ways to do this that didn't involve. And and, and here's here's what's just the worst. I, I know we didn't like the way her hair looked when she was using it, and so it just it just for for budgetary reasons to have Maximus shave her head felt exactly like that. We don't want to have to keep paying for this special effect. The dog we like, we'll keep the big dog and have him teleport all over the place. <laughs> but uh, but your hair, it's got to go. The the thing that makes you you, the thing that makes you interesting, we have to take that out. And and we and we're gonna keep the weird stripe on Crystal's hair right. that Jack Kirby put there right. because Jack Kirby can get away with that, but nobody else can. Uh, because that's what's important about Crystal, the stripe on her hair. Yeah, the, the thing to me that spoke to cheapness that I couldn't believe if they were spending money for the IMAX for the first episode, that song, that intro that we have that looks like somebody like created it on like MS Paint. Oh, the paper cut. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh. I, I, I was shocked at how awful that was. And I mean, they're doing the same thing Berlanti does now where he tries to make like, quote unquote, iconic images for all the characters that don't have iconic images and just take like sort of images from the Inhumans and like make them like this big thing. But the fact that it looked tacky and even the lockjaw on there and oh, there's lockjaw, but it looked so tacky. I'm like, how how did you not spend? How could you not spend just a little bit more on that intro to make it actually look decent and not like a cheap flash animation? Right, yeah. exactly. Well, I, I I think it speaks completely to exactly you know we're we're Scott Buck. I mean that's yeah. that's this thing you know he's, he's he 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 was trying to get this to look a certain way you know by splitting them all up so that we get to know a little bit more about them but none of their powers actually really work anymore you know Karnak's confused because his, his stuff doesn't work a Gorkon's not stomping around like he should be oh well Karnak was one of my big problems because Karnak's probably my favorite of the group that they have and I loved that first episode where they showed because I was like Karnak's power is kind of weird so how are you going to show that and I loved the way that they did it with him just it seeing was, all yeah. the different possibilities and just working it out 
and then for them to get rid of that right away and have him like have exactly. some sort of head trauma, I was like, oh god, really? Exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like they're trying to do Iron Man three without doing the first two Iron Men. Like, right. We need to see these guys in their power first, and yeah, then you can yeah. take it away, and it means something. Not start them off without the power because then it doesn't mean anything to us. Right. And I think I think I think all of that also speaks to somebody who doesn't know. You know, the, the, w- w- where these things have worked their best is when people understand the characters. And I think you had somebody, you had a room full of writers that didn't know who the hell these people were. And so what we do understand, we understand love. <laughs> so let's, let's set up three separate romances and some surfers on the beach. <laughs> okay. The random surfers on the beach that just decided to throw in with Gorgon and all happened to have military training on the side yeah, yeah, was just yeah. like the biggest thing that I was just like, what is this? You know, this makes no sense. <laughs> It's uh, I it's such it's such a it's such an anomaly uh, and I'm I'm you know what I'm kind of glad that it happened on TV. I'm glad that this wasn't part of the because it, it, it doesn't look like it's part of the Marvel universe to be honest. It's it 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 wasn't running concurrent with Agents of Shield, right? And it, there's nothing to connect it to the cinematic universe. And certainly right now, what you've got going on with with fox's x properties as well as runaway you know i mean these are all things right now that are happening that only make it it it, it makes the inhumans more embarrassing yeah i'm gonna i'm 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 chalking this up as a total failure in marvel's column uh it's really their first one it's their first misfire i think i know i know you think iron fist came was was more like that as well but i think i think if you compare iron fist to this you'll find that iron fist at least is is existing in in the same universe that it that the other things are in uh this thing really feels like it's not connected to anything at all yeah other than the fact that they reference that the fish oil is the reason why all these inhumans are getting their powers on earth that's the only thing that connects it to agents of shield Right, and that right there, that that whole idea is something that got thrown in. If you'll notice, it got thrown in late. <laughs> it got thrown in after most of the scripts had been written, you know. And it's the only. It, it, it's so tenuous that if you blink, you miss it. So, so Mike, we've we've been talking a lot. We've been kind of ragging on this show. I know that you felt a little more positively about it. So, why why don't you talk a little bit about um, Inhumans and and you know some of your feelings about it? Mike, Mike, I'm dying to hear what you liked about it. I Let really me put am. my <laughs> optimistic hat on. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I I'd really like to know because I, I because I other than Lockjaw, to tell me, brother. Make, make, make me feel something again. <laughs> I feel, I feel there, like there are there. It, it, I'm also putting this as Marvel's misfire column. This was the weakest of the Marvel anything. It, I'll go with Marvel TV shows. This was the weakest that they have done both on TV and on Netflix. And yeah. now on Hulu. Thank you to Runaways. You're amazing. So I came in to this show eager i first i did want the movie i felt the movie would, would have been a hell of a lot better i do as well feel that it should have been backdoored as hell from agents of shield they had ample opportunities to do it but whatever scheduling and all that crap on their side whatever it is what it is 
But, I mean, I actually just got done with my third viewing of the entire series. Luckily, it is only eight episodes, so it wasn't that long. But I got done with my third viewing just so I can get prepared more for the show. At the end of episode eight, I am still wanting more. I treating humans as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. I would, I'm indifferent. You were decent. You're not the best, but I want to see what you can go. And in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season two, it sold me on what it can do. And so as much as only eight episodes, and again, it was a big misfire, I pray that we can get a season two and get it done properly. Lockjaw, yeah, he's he's amazing. Uh, he's like, you just want a puppy now. You just, you just want to go to the animal shelter now and just animal Lockjaw. I... We, we, my biggest issue was really Medusa's hair. In multiple interviews, the producers said that we really had no idea what to do with her, with her hair. And I'm like, really? You, you, know, you stupid budget, you shake fists at TV. And so, yeah, they had to shave it. I don't like it. I don't even like the actress, honestly. I, that was not my pick of an actress to play Medusa. But in the casting, I like the cast. The guy who plays Karnak is phenomenal. The guy who plays Black Bolt, never seen him before, but Honestly, as a mute, he did fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think his facial expressions were really good. I think that he yeah. that he emoted a lot with his face, and, and and that's a hard part to do. So yeah, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. I thought he um, mostly emoted constipation. But <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> Maximus. Oh my god. I watched Game of Thrones. Just knowing that this was Ramsey Bolton playing Maximus the Mad gave me chills. But then I remembered, oh wait, this is ABC on TV. I'm not gonna get Ma- I'm not gonna get Maximus Bolton. I'm gonna get the PG version. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll agree, he was he was operating on a higher level than a lot of the actors were. Yes. Yeah. And and the fact that the the one like Ramsey-ish thing that he did that really sure that he was Maximus the Mad was when he cut Tybor's neck and we actually saw him cut. I'm like, yeah, man, you do that. That's you. You own that. And, but just the character development for Maximus itself, he, I mean, he was already, he was already a jealous guy, jealous kid. And then he came up with this cockamamie plan. And then he, he started basically getting paranoid as hell. And the paranoia kind of kicked in in high gear. And it, yeah, that was actually, and he killed Desmond brother. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. One of my favorite characters from Lost. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I, with Maximus, I do enjoy the trip, and I think I would have enjoyed it more if you would have gained his Inhuman powers. And well, that was the thing as well. It's like my knowledge of Inhumans is small, but I do love the series. But I always thought that Maximus was actually an Inhuman. I didn't know he was a human. I don't know if that was. Deep- or what all right so so here's the thing and, and this is the weird thing about inhumans because i'm usually the one advocating for as close as you can do to the comics but just modernize it or whatever inhumans did do a lot of stuff from the comics and yet it still <laughs> fell flat for me and so one of the things is in the beginning maximus had no powers none okay. at all and they thought that he was basically just like a human over time, he's had, like, a latent psionic power that he didn't yeah. need to go through Terragenesis again, as far as I understand, but he just, it just developed. He was a late bloomer. Yeah, because <laughs> that, uh, yeah, exactly I remember he, was. I remember he could, he basically would speak to someone and he could get them to do what he wanted. 
uh, just just by using basically his voice or pheromones or whatever. And I remember that power. And I'm like, does he does he have that now? Is that is that exactly what he's using? I need answers. You're not giving me Marvel. What are you let, doing? Let, let, so I was wondering that too. The other thing that I kept wondering, and I don't think was ever adequately explained, is how much do the Inhumans actually know about Earth? Because you have Medusa walking up, you know, knowing how to use a bus system and all that, and seeming to have no problem with all that. But she walks. So I'm thinking, oh, they probably watch TV. They get the signals from Earth, and so she probably knows about Earth from TV. But then she walks up to an ATM machine and tries talking to it like she's from Star Trek and is asking it for it to like give her money and stuff and I'm like well if you watch TV you would know that's not how ATMs work and it was like it was confused even like how much they understood about earth culture and what they would know and, and they what they wouldn't know. they can speak English but not American sign language. Right. I don't <laughs> Yeah. That, that that was an uh, that was a decision by the producers because it was the fact that they were on a different planet. It wasn't going to be I feel that we could also have that same argument where if he was actually doing American sign language, we'll have people on the internet going, How does he know American Sign Language? He's on the moon. They don't they well, don't know ASL in the moon speech. How does if, he know English? If you know English send because... if you send them all away in the eighties to establish their own colony in secret, <laughs> then you don't gotta explain none of that, do yous? And you get to dip back into the 80s music that's doing so well now in the Marvel movies. Why aren't you listening to me? My plan is superior. Oh my God, I've become Maximus the Man. There you go. I, I Like I said, I do enjoy the show. It's the character developments of, yeah, this was a ruling class. And at the beginning, Maximus was completely right. It was, That cast system was bad. It was horrible. It was an archaic form. Here's the thing. I feel like they needed to give the counter argument to say why the caste system was in place because what I what I what I infer is that it was limited resources and the only way they could all survive is if they lived under that strict requirement if they were going to live on the moon and i think that that yeah. should that, that should have been explained explicitly somehow within the confines of the story but instead it's left up to the viewer to figure out and i think that because of the way it was presented it, it leads to this muddled mixed message of the royal family sucks and then it turns out maximus sucks you know in the last few episodes you see how crazy he really is and then it's like, well, gee, none of these characters are any good. I don't like them. I don't care about them. They can all die. <laughs> you don't want your audience to feel that way about your main characters. Well, uh, Mike, it doesn't sound like you disagree with any of the things that uh, that Nathan and I had, have had a problem with. Maybe you just didn't disagree with them as vehemently. W would that be a fair characterization? A little bit. It's. Uh, I mean. I. I mean. I'm not gonna just be over here with my My Little Pony sunglasses and say it was <laughs> the best thing ever. There no, no, no. Issues. Like I said, I think you agree. I think we agree. <laughs> it's. It's the worst of the lot. And you know, I think you're right about the casting. I did mind the casting at all. I. I actually. I actually liked the woman. I liked the way the woman played Medusa in the story because she played her with a kind of a Lannister feel. If we're gonna. If we're Honestly, gonna keep Game of Thrones going. I, 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 the one thing I will say, the one person I thought didn't act very well, but she was adorable was crystal yeah crystal was the only one that had a she was a she was a false note she felt like a regular teenager with a really cool dog and can you blame her <laughs> but i think i think aside from the casting being very good which again i didn't really have a problem with and 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 nor did i have a problem with the way black Bolt's powers were depicted 
the way Gorgon's powers were depicted, I, I think we all agree that the way Karnak was able to zoom through a bunch of possibilities all at once, that was a genius really way cool. of doing it. And it, it's not original. You know, what's his name? Did it with did it on Sherlock Holmes and other people have done this kind of thing as well. But it was really cool. Page. Oh, there was the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was a really good way to to show that in, you know, in what would be three panels of a Jack Kirby page. You know, it's 30 seconds of film time, but 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 a really just as visually interesting as those three Jack Kirby panels without him having to tell the guy that he just tripped why he tripped all of a sudden <laughs> when I've never tripped before it's because I figure all this out. So, so all of that was, was, was marvelous. I don't see, here's the deal. I don't want a second series. I don't want a season two. I want it to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think if we, if we deal with any of this, of the fallout of this, I want it folded into agents of shield rather than a second season of inhumans. If they get back to earth and they have to deal with some of what happened in the inhuman series with the royal family living on earth and all that i am okay with that but yeah i i don't really want this show to continue as it is i mean maybe with a new showrunner who can like totally overhaul it, it the second season would be good but ah uh, you, 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 need... you don't want to know what happens to that weed farm romance <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty karnak needs love <laughs> That was another really random one where it was just like, oh yeah, this hot woman just decides, hey, this like 50s, you know, this old guy in his 50s, yeah, I'll do him, you know. <laughs> pretty much all it's, of the, the subplots. <laughs> pretty much all of the subplots of let's hook up an inhuman with a human so they can learn that humans are great. Every single one of the, nearly every single one of those plots just. So how do we feel about bargain basement felicity? How do we feel about what? How do we feel bargain about basement bargain basement felicity? felicity? Wow. I, I can't be bothered to remember her real name. Oh, uh, the... the Louise? Louise. Louis. Okay, yeah, Louise. Yeah, it's... That, it's I will every, say they I, have a, a, a... Having an Earthling counterpart to at least help them guide in there was more or less to try and strengthen them as a person and i'm and i'm at least happy that they're giving the tech jobs to women well that's true that too right like you know that's a good point let's go ahead well she did crash the rover i mean <laughs> that wasn't her fault that was gorgon stomping on it <laughs> yeah totally it's totally a dude man gorgon has got to be gorgon uh, i think her and medusa had more chemistry than medusa and black bolt so <laughs> Right, that relationship at least felt uh, the most organic of the of the two. And yeah, I I I I do have a problem with with Black Bolt. In fact, it seemed like Black Bolt had had uh, they they relied as much on his sort of latent psychic. Uh, you know, he 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 was he had the he had the psychic ability that Maximus should have had. The reason why I want this to die, and honestly, I, I got to tell you guys, I mean, I, I I just feel I feel like if there was a press release that came out from whoever the showrunner is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or or even just Marvel Media projects and, and said, uh, there will not be an Inhumans 2. We are going to reintegrate the Inhumans and some of these concepts into the ongoing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. And uh, we, we trust that uh, the fans will be happy 
when they get to see their beloved characters uh, interacting with Agent Coulson and the already rich cast that Agents of Shield is known for. I think I and I think I think there'd be five guys on the internet going, "You f- and everybody else would be like, "Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. It's, uh when what, 2020? Okay, we can wait. Cool. 2020's good. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to need a replacement. Fine. Whatever, you know. That I mean, I'm happy fi- with I, I'm happy with either choice. I mean, like Nathan said, this wasn't the humans are not B level or not A level. They're not anything to be by themselves. They really need someone else to be there, especially on how alien they are to this world. Right. And that's Absolutely. where the human characters in this, I think really fell apart because they weren't strong enough to create the you know? bridge between the audience and the inhumans. Like they needed to be, I mean, I get what they were doing with really helpful guy and crystal. Cause he was sort of a replacement Johnny storm. Cause that was the, <laughs> basically that was the romance in the fantastic four where Johnny and crystal loved each other. And so, you know, that sort of, you know, created the tie between the two groups. And so they tried to create that, but I didn't care about him. And he was barely on, and yeah. he was in like two episodes. He had a jealous ex-girlfriend. Wah. Conveniently a vet. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank, oh, thank God, because all Lockjaw needed was a lie down. <laughs> I hate to see the size of the milk bone, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I really do want Coulson to see Lockjaw and just go like all heart eyes over the puppy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be That'd the be best great. thing ever? Yeah, I mean, I, I could totally see it. I mean, and, and here, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. make a better bridge. You See, you could have put the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm mean, just, again, just to riff again a little bit more. You could have put the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into every one of those regular people categories. And, and, so, and, and now you've got tech resources that that none of the rest of them have they're already in humans and and so the the shield agents know what to do but the inhumans don't trust them and so everyone you know you know what i mean like there's already there's already more of a relationship in place there that you could have worked off of if you if you wanted to if you wanted to spin this i'll tell you what this is how you do it Maximus uh, makes his deal. Maximus, you know, he's he's sending the the he he's pulling in humans to to the moon to 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 be in his army. The royal family's in exile here. The agents of Shield are trying to help them, and all of a sudden, warships open up in in space, and we realize that Maximus uh, has made a deal with the Kree to come in and use them to to help uh, recognize his sovereignty. And the problem with the Kree is it's actually not the Kree, it's the Skrulls. And so Coulson pulls out a watch, and and, and Medusa says, what are you doing? He goes, I, I can't do this, I've got to call my friends. Boop! And now we go to the movie where the Avengers are fighting the Kree in space because this is why, ah, no one listens to me! <laughs> This is going to be the Kree Scroll War. It's the Kree Scroll War, for God's sake. There's your, there's your movie. One of the greatest Marvel uh, stories ever told in comics. One of the few things they keep reprinting. One of the few things they keep going back to. And instead of the Fantastic Four, you just insert the Inhumans right in there. So you've got the, you've got some of the old timers. Avengers are coming out of retirement. All the new ones that you've put in because you've killed everybody else. Beta Ray Bill instead of uh, Chris Hemsworth. Whatever. <laughs> Throw the Inhumans back into space. Beat the Skrull army back. The Adelans revolt around Maximus. They want their king and queen back. This is a movie, my friends. Ah, it could even be a two-parter. I just, once again, I, I'm not being listened to. And I, and I feel as if they're missing brilliant opportunities from me. <laughs> 
And <laughs> I feel the same way about my Howard the Duck movie. So <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I am up for a Howard the Duck movie. It's a Howard the Duck She Hulk crossover. Oh, movie, okay. so. Yes, do it. yes, yes. <laughs> I, 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 you had me. You had me as Howard the Duck and She Hulk. Right. It's perfect. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and so God. what I would really love in a meetup is uh, just like how and man thing being it, <laughs> much like how uh, Ben Grimm thought that Lockjaw was actually a regular inhuman that had just been morphed to look like a dog. I'd love it if Coulson or somebody else on the Agents of Shield thought that it was just an inhuman, you know, like anyone else that got turned into a dog-looking thing <laughs> and treated him like a person. <laughs> That'd be great. And they've and and they've and they've got to give. They've got to give the line to Coulson instead of Ben Grimm, where Lockjaw says, thanks for the help. And Coulson said, I didn't know you could talk. And Lockjaw says, you never asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, it's it's funny like that, because, I mean, it seems to me so obvious. And, and But I do have to, because I think that this was something that was just thrown at the wall, I don't think I can be too harsh about the lack of planning, but it's it's such a wasted opportunity that they felt yeah, that they needed to do that. Because to me, it's like, just delay it a year. If they had just delayed it a year and said, okay, this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to set up an Inhuman series in 2018, you know, fall of 2018, let's right. get this season to, like, set it up, because we were already halfway or three quarters of the way there with the previous seasons... We don't need much more. Well, I'm I'm not sure why it, why it got bumped up on the schedule and not back. That's the other thing, and 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 so it makes me. There's two considerations here that make me think this might be a case. All right, and and either I don't. Both of them are kind of nasty. So be prepared to be like, God, Mark, you're kind of cynical. <laughs> One of them might have been a contract deal with regards to uh, whether or not they were going to use him as a showrunner again okay this might have been something where if we if we if we if we, if we put it in there and, and if, if we if we show it as is we, we can jettison it you know or, or, and get rid of him okay the other possibility is that now uh, i don't think anybody on this panel of august assemblages needs to be reminded that this whole notion that we're going to turn all the mutants into inhumans was it was was a tactic you know that was a ploy right i mean that whole thing that was that was a that was a move to see if fox would blink and fox instead winked and said here's your deadpool movie <laughs> and they went ah. <laughs> So when when it when it became clear that nobody wanted Wolverine and Cyclops and Marvel Girl to be human to be inhumans and and that that in fact wasn't going to be what they really wanted to do because they really wanted the mutants back they might have moved this up again uh, to 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 get it out of the way and now that it's out of the way the, the, this Fox deal is all of a sudden starting to sound more like a timing issue, isn't it? I mean, now now that they're talking about this, now that the Inhumans are out of the way, now that we know that the X Men won't all of a sudden show up on Adeline and and be like, oh yeah yeah, we're the uh, we've we've always been here. So both of these are, are this is more this is more of these backroom discussions that I think more and more now we're going to have to factor into these conversations, you know, and and it's because. Yeah, for a while, and actually still over at Warner Brothers, you know, these wouldn't it be neat if conversations that happen every week at comic shops across the world 
are, are not, they're not just high in the sky. You know, we're getting the stuff that we're, that we're asking for, you know, and have been asking for, for years, but the, wouldn't it be neat if has got to be tempered by, yeah, but here's what else is on the, on the, on the table. And it's almost always a ledger book <laughs> and stacks of quarterly reports that, that show social media trends, marketing trends, toy buying habits from the 1970s to 2015. <laughs> it bro- they, uh, the, who's watching what broken down by gender and age groups. This is all stuff that Disney d- brings to every meeting. So, and, and, they, and, and, and here's the, they call it's part of, it's part of their creative department. See, this is why it's all so insidious. It's part of cre- it's part of creative. So we just have to be aware that all of these brilliant ideas that we're coming up with may have zip over diddly to do with the fact that they need to get rid of somebody so he can't be a showrunner again. And now we have leverage to go get the X Men if that's even the case. And and again, it could it couldn't it may it may not be. But th- but those are certainly possibilities. As to why this thing looks the way it does, where why they put it where they put it, why no one really knew how to handle it. Everything else has been so meticulously handled. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just so. The Netflix series, one after the other. Mimicking the, the, the Marvel movies where, they, where one flows into the next. The Punisher series, a true one-off. Beautifully done. And could have... Uh, was easily the best Punisher ever. So somebody's taking care of all of this, and I think that the Avengers got John Cartered. That yeah. that sound you heard was my mic dropping, except that it's a really expensive <laughs> mic. Uh, I, I I didn't want to drop it because you know then then I start sounding like this all the time, and that's not a good sound for, for a podcast. So, so just for, just it, it, Nathan in post, if you could just put a mic drop there, that'd be okay. Great. All right, no. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. So we've been talking about Inhumans probably a little bit longer than the show deserves. (laughs) 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 Joe, do you have any uh, final thoughts or things that you, something that you felt like you just needed to be mentioned about the Inhumans? Uh, Lockjaw needs more pets. That's, that's all I got. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with that one. Mike, how about you? Do you have anything that you feel like uh, we need to talk about or any final thoughts you want to talk about? At the end of the day, I still love the trip that they took me on. I still I still care about my royal family. Okay. And hearing Black Bolt just say goodbye, brother. Kind of broke my heart a little bit. <laughs> well, I love. I will say this. There were a few times when they had some decent lines in there. I mean, nothing too, uh, too good. But like when Medusa's like, hey, Maximus, Black Bolt wants to have a word with you. You know, it's just stuff like that oh, where yeah. it's just like, <laughs> like yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they'd already shown how, you know, him speaking atomized the parents. So it's like, yeah. you know what him having a word with Maximus could do. So I thought that worked really well. And the way that, and that ending, that resolution to the Maximus thing of leaving him in a room with plenty of food and water to last his whole life, but completely empty, you know, of all people, you know, just alone. I was like, oh, God, that is, like, the best revenge ever. <laughs> King of nothing. Yeah, I've actually, been, I've actually been learning American Sign Language just because I get bored at work. And so 
watching the show and how he did everything. I know it wasn't exactly ASL, and him and the actress who played Medusa, they actually created this hand signal for months before they started shooting to get it properly done. And just watching him and his facial expressions and his manners, I'm like, God, he's he's so commanding. It's that for not having to speak at all, just everything from face, his body, his hand signals. I, I appreciate the actor's work. I appreciate it. I wish the writers had put as much work into the show <laughs> as, as those. I, yeah, because I, I, like, I feel like a lot of the, 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 the actors in this show have gotten some crap, and, and I, just have to fe- I just have to say, that is, it is really hard to ask somebody to be Black Bolt, because you not only have to be big and physically imposing, not like a muscle-bound, like, uh, you know, deadlift, uh, a deadlifter, you know, but you still have to be a big, imposing guy, and then to do all your acting without any speaking. That's a lot to ask of anyone. I don't care who the actor is. So, I mean, I think that he did a a great job with what he was given. My issues with this show are with the tackiness of a lot of the look of the show and with the writing. But uh, it is not with any of the... Well, like I said, Crystal is the only one of the actors that I felt wasn't giving a lot. Oh, and I do want to talk about one other thing real quick. What's the name of the guy who was basically like Cyclops on speed? Oh, Mortis. Mortis, thank you. So... Mortis. They kept saying, oh my god, Mortis, the most evil, the most horrible. How could you ever possibly let him out? And he was just, like, slightly sarcastic. He was very sarcastic. <laughs> I found him more of a comic relief than scary. I thought he was great. I liked, I liked him. I was like, let's hang out with this guy. He fun. was fun. Yeah. But I was expecting, like, a guy who's just going to, like, atomize, like, everything in sight. You know, he was just so horribly evil. And instead, it was just kind of like, huh. Well, when when he cut loose, I mean, you know, for for you know, they did actually spend the sp- the money on those special effects. When he cut loose, it did look impressive, and 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 you have to be very careful because it's pretty easy to swing your head when the death rays are flying. Right. And so yeah. and so, I uh, I didn't I didn't have a problem with him so much. Well, I just have a problem with the way that they set him up as if he was the baddest of the bad. And it was like, okay, his power is pretty powerful, but he's pretty good when they tell him, like, not to use it. They're just like, okay, sure, whatever, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I, I th- thought that was weird. He, he, he was sort of a visual, he was, he was a counterpart to Black Bolt in some ways, right? The same sort of idea, you know? And I think maybe they put him on there so that they could be those kind of opposites. But no, I, I, I'm like you. I thought the I thought the, the actors were great. I, I loved the way that they were cast. And, and I really liked the way, I actually liked the Karnak-Gorgon relationship. I thought that was pretty straight out of the books. Now here's I don't something. Think we've been giving Gorgon enough love. I, I, I no. He, 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 he was, he was good. I will say this is a perfect example of something that I, I've talked about before in other places, and that is getting the details, you know, right over making sure the character is the one that we're expecting. And, and I keep coming back to Crystal's hair. <laughs> And how just, we, it, it, it was such a distraction, you know, it didn't look anything like, I, I didn't know what it was supposed to be. It, when you when you see it in the comics, and when you see it the way Kirby draws it, you just buy into it the way you buy into all of Kirby's I always designs. thought it was like all a hair his, ornament. I didn't think it was actually her hair was colored that way. Yeah, it's, it's not a, yeah, it was, it was, I don't think it was ever supposed to be a stripe like that i thought it was maybe something that she wore as the princess or something i didn't know you know but but one thing i know for certain and sure as hell did look like that <laughs> and and that's what and and you know to to get that right but then to make crystal 
this sort of vapid kind of uh, not, not she's not vapid. It was just like a surly teenager. That was never her character in the, in the in the comics. So so you're you're doing this weird sort of thing where you're giving us what we think we want. And granted, we all, when we saw Lockjaw in the trailer, we all got excited. <laughs> When Lock when Lockjaw and Black Bolt appear in the city street, we were like, "Dude, you you didn't really." Of all the things I thought I'd never get to see, Lockjaw was was one was one of the ones on that list. I'm getting Lockjaw, and I got so excited. And then when this thing shows up, and it's and it's you know it's 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 shades of this. It, it really I, I think the analogy that, that you used that 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 this is something that that felt like something from the early nineties is 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 dead on. So. Now that we have established the the far end of the Marvel quality yardstick, <laughs> hopefully, uh, let let's not make it any longer. Right. Let's let's not do anything worse than this, and let's concentrate on the next thing being better. Okay, Marvel. Yeah, you better not ruin Cloak and Dagger for me, Marvel. I'm I, not. I'm not having high hopes. <laughs> it's free form. I. I it, it it is free form, and you can expect it to be much more of the teen angst, hoozy floopdle stuff. But um, I live in a CW know, world. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. How's it going to be different from CW? If the if they've got the watchdog from Runaways, I mean, come on, man. Come on. Did you think you were going to see a Velociraptor ever on Hulu? No, you didn't think that because you didn't think you were even going to get the runaways. <laughs> so let's before I we just want them to run away already. <laughs> what is taking them so long? <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll get there. They'll get there. But I, I do think that once Cloak and Dagger comes out, I, I think it deserves a fair shake. Oh, oh, I'll give it a fair shake because I love Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, me too. Me too. They need to be updated. The original Cloak and Dagger were were part of the whole say no to drugs era. So we have to we have to fix some of that. Say but- yes to drugs. <laughs> That's that appears to be what Mark is advocating, but okay. <laughs> I, that's not, I would I would never say that out loud. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying that you know that, that 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 their origin is extremely cliched. There were a lot of these kinds of stories going on in Marvel at the time. Their origin was cliche. What made them cool was the powers that they had, and and we certainly have the the technology to do it. It would be awesome if uh, we gave them. I don't know that they need costumes exactly the way that they look in the series. I'm thinking that the original Dagger's outfit was a had a boob window. It was a cross window. <laughs> right. It was a cross right. Yeah. right. But it was still I think I think I think we can move past all that and still have a really cool cloak and dagger series. And especially now that we've seen the tone of runaways and the tone of gifted. Yeah. Right? Both of those very true to the spirit of what these storylines have always been about. Let's let's do a cloak and dagger series the same way. Who cares if it's on freeform? I, I, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch it. And and we, and we and and Crisis on Earth X didn't suck. So, uh, I, you know, everybody's learning. And uh, I think the the I think the humans was Marvel's uh, learning curve on what on what they can and can't do. And so so this is let's let's let this be a, a teachable moment for everyone. Don't hire Scott Buck. God. Ever again. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I, and, and I think that Mark uh, hit the nail on the head there because I cannot see how after Iron Fist was as controversial as it was for quality reasons. 
why they immediately handed him in humans unless it was some sort of a contract sort of thing or if he was the only creator they could get you know because there seems to have been some sort of rush on getting this out that if he was the only showrunner they could get their hands on on such short notice uh something along those lines because yeah i mean the show did not do well ratings wise and they could have probably predicted that based on past performance i will say i said this before we started the podcast but i think inhumans is the is worse than iron fist Mm -hmm. uh except i think the first episode of iron fist is worse than the entirety of inhumans just that first episode is really particularly terrible and it's written by scott buck (laughs) well the other thing about that first episode of iron fist is how many continuity errors there are in it not continuity in the global sense like we normally say oh this contradicts something in another show it's like things that happened like five minutes beforehand within the same episode Like, he leaves his backpack when he leaves the office, but then later we see him in the park with the backpack. And it's like, what? (laughs) I think what it it really does is it gives us... uh, It's something to avoid now, which is nice, you know, because so far we may not know the director or the showrunner on a particular show, or maybe you're not as familiar with the Marvel character as, as, you know, well, I know a little something about Iron Man, but I don't know who this Mantis character is, but she she was kind of funny in in Guardians 2. Oh, that's kind of fun. Oh, oh, they're doing Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, I don't know how they're going to do that because they've changed up the whole uh, uh, Pym controversy, uh, the whole Pym story. Well, this will be fun to find out. Oh, what's this new thing? Who's it written by? Scott Buck? Well, I can give that a pass. <laughs> See, now we know. We know. It's yeah. an auto. It's an automatic. Oh, he's doing it. Well, I, I don't need to do. I don't. I'm done. <laughs> Fine. Here's eight hours of my life. I don't have to give it. Everything you know? I've seen by him so far, specifically in the Marvel universe, seems like they filmed an outline and not an actual script. Just yes. Just the beats, and that's it. I I, I think it's like I Green think... Lantern, the TV show. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> wow it's just flying today uh, well I, ca- I can't decide if he's too much of a fan or not enough of a fan i can't figure it out that's that's the thing that's 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 giving me pause if because like if he's not a fan but got the job then i would know that somebody that there's that there's a sexual misconduct scandal about to break over at marvel and disney because then that makes sense but if he is a fan he's making the mistake of not uh, of of holding uh, he you know these are these aren't eggs you know and you don't have to hold them like eggs you know it's okay you're making omelets and we get that now and you totally should right yeah it was way too he he had way too much of an adherence to to details but totally dropped the ball on character and just having excite excitement really i mean action you know yeah. stuff happening you know yeah you got you got you, you, it looked like he, i mean he's you know he he worked on rome he worked on dexter uh and he had some uh experience uh doing uh sitcoms that i didn't like but you know other <laughs> people other people did well i you know i'm not a big sitcom guy you know anyway but you know he wrote some of the stuff and one of the seasons of dexter that he worked on was i believe the season with the comic book character in it. So he might be a like a closet comic book character, but I just 
I just think he's got the wrong. He he hasn't figured out. He he he's he's working off of what he knew instead of what he needs to know. So if I if I'm gonna my my advice to Scott is 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 uh, don't do any more of these until you've watched all of it because you need you need to see where things are at right now because because you're not working for Joel Schumacher and this is not Batman four. Oh okay so. <laughs> I think we slapped Scott Buck around enough on this episode. <laughs> Not undeservedly, but I think, uh, think we might as well wrap things up uh, on Inhumans. Um, so it's a show that just didn't... Uh, I mean, there was a lot of potential. It was just kind of squandered. That's, I think, how we can sort of sum things up with Inhumans. So let's get to our shout-outs. So, Joe, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye. You can find me in your living room no um <laughs> you can find me <laughs> well i've got my podcast that i do with my wife the watchathon of rassilon you can find on itunes or wherever or our website is watchyourrassilon.com and my short films and stuff like that you can find at mintypineapple.com all right and mark why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you yes i am in the library with the candlestick and uh, you can find me at the Gentleman Nerds uh, podcast where I do my thing with uh, those guys over there, GentlemanNerds.com. Uh, I also uh, blog lately about media stuff at MarkTheAgingHipster at Blogspot.com, which is about to get an overhaul uh, and become a new website for me where you'll be able to find all things Mark Finn. And uh, I also, uh, my books and other things can be found on Amazon.com as well. All right. And Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me in your bathroom. You're out of toothpaste. And you can uh, find me on Twitter at this is Trex. That's just T-Rex. And also over on my Twitch channel, playing random video games and MMOs, basically DC Universe Online for DC Comics MMO. It's great. It's OK. It's great. It's OK. It's, it's OK. Uh, over at twitch.tv slash Trexlight. Goodbye, Internet. All right. Well, thank you all to my projectionists who joined me today, and uh, <laughs> 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 hopefully I'll have you all again sometime soon. And that's the end of our podcast. I am slowly but surely catching up on my backlog, and over the next few episodes, we will catch up on other seasons of television, such as Runaways, Gotham, Star Trek Discovery, and several other shows as well. So please look forward to that. But we want to know what you thought of this episode, and you can leave us feedback in a lot of different ways. One way is by going to our website at 42cast.com and leaving us a comment. Another way is to go to Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast and give us a comment there, or you can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also give us an email at everything at 42cast.com, or you can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. With iTunes, it is a big help to us when we get the feedback from the reviews because the more of those that we get, the more that iTunes promotes the show. So if you like the 42 cast and you want to make sure that other people can hear it, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. I also wanted to mention the ESO Network Patreon again, and you can go to patreon.com and search for the ESO Network and find that. We have exclusive episodes of all the different shows on the network up there, and by supporting the Patreon, you support all of us, so that's another way that you can help us out. So C2E2 is about a week away as of the time of this episode releasing. I will be there on Sunday, so if you uh, are going to C2E2, and if you hear my voice, or if you want to drop me a line ahead of time and meet me there, uh, just let me know. Um, I would love to meet some people who are listening to the show. 
And that is it for this episode of the 42 cast. But join us back next week when Julian McMahon will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.